0: Right, Well, that was good. Thank you. We appreciate that very much. We're going to ask Brother Cavanaugh to come. He's going to go ahead and uh, kind
1: of take over and let us know what's going on the rest of the service. But boy, the teens are doing a great job. We certainly appreciate them and uh, appreciate their spirit, their attitude. We're so blessed to have such a great group of teens at Community Baptist Temple, uh, both our mornings and afternoon sessions. God's been so good there and uh, we just uh, What a great spirit they have, and we're so thankful for that. You know, when so many people have such a negative attitude toward teenagers and young people, uh, I can honestly say that you just get around some of these young people that we have, whether they're on our bus ministry or whether they're in our uh, uh, churches uh, driving in, either way, they're just some good young men and young ladies, and we're so glad that they're part of the ministry here at Community Baptist. All right, Brother Cavanaugh. All right. Well, as uh, the title of the evening is 2 Timothy chapter 2-2, two, two, and what the, t- the Timothy in, our, in the little graphic you'll see is T-I-M, and that's Teens in Ministry. And that's where we give the opportunity for the young people in our church uh, to serve the Lord in ministry. And after all, uh, they are the future uh, of the church. They're the future hope of America. And, uh, and so the, the sooner they get to it, the better. And these men that you hear tonight preaching are called to preach and they're no less a preacher than the pastor who stands behind the pulpit every week. Uh, they have been called, and God's hand is upon their lives and uh, is leading and directing them. Second Timothy two two is in the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Amen. And that's the goal of our ministry here at the church: is to reach out to the lost, bring them into the church, train them, commit to them the things that we that were committed to us. And, uh, and that's what we do in our youth department here. The reason we have the activities, the reasons we have the fellowships, uh, the reasons we have rallies and go away to conferences is not just for activity for the young people. That is a part of it. It's good for them to have good, wholesome activity. Uh, but a, a big part of it is training and encouraging them that you can have fun in the Lord and that you can serve the Lord and keep yourself pure. And uh, that's something that's totally wasted today. All right. Our young people's purity. And so um, but tonight uh, we have three young men. They're going to preach for us. And I'm looking forward to it. We're going to kind of go youngest to oldest tonight. And so Nate's going to come up first, then Cody, then Josh. And as Pastor said, these three young men and all of the teens that you've seen tonight uh, are faithful, faithful teenagers. They're here, most of them for soul winning twice a week. They come out. We have a soul winning on Wednesdays and they come out 430 on Wednesday. And uh, go soul winning up till the evening service, and then they come back out again Saturday. And this is no lie; most of the time, the teenagers are calling me during the week. Is there soul winning? Are we doing something tonight? Is there? And most of the time, it's for soul winning, and uh, they want to go out. And uh, when I told them that we were going to do a Wednesday soul winning and not Tuesday, or not come out on the Tuesday nights anymore, they were pretty angry at me. Actually, <laughs> like, well, why can't we come Tuesday too? And uh, that's the heart of these young people. And so um, they, they, we in no way, I, I prayed with them tonight, these young men, and I said, hey, you know what, you're young, but we do not despise you for your age. And uh, we, we encourage them, and, and I'm excited. I'm looking forward to what the Lord has for us tonight. And I hope you've come uh, with an open heart. Don't let their height or their age distract from the message, all right? Some of these guys will lower the mic. Some of them will raise the mic. Uh, but it's all the same word, all right? And so uh, that's what we're here for tonight. So Nate, if you'd come on up, I'll have a word of prayer, and then uh, these guys will get started. Come on up. Father, Lord, we do thank you for this evening, Lord, and we pray that you would just speak to our hearts now. Lord, as was mentioned earlier, all this is in vain uh, without the Holy Spirit meeting with us. And so we come before your throne, Lord, boldly as you've commanded us to And we beg that the Holy Spirit would be present and active in our hearts, Lord, that you would be with these young men as they stand behind the pulpit and as they proclaim your word, Lord, obviously there's a message you've laid on their heart, and we pray that you would give them clarity of thought, that they would be able to deliver the message uh, that you have for us. And uh, Lord, we know that your word, it doesn't return void and it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so tonight, Lord, we're expecting, we have high expectations of what we're going to learn from you. And we just pray uh, that you would be honored and glorified in all that's said and done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
2: All right. Well, I'm just going to start out by giving you a few statistics that I uh, came up with. That uh, I didn't really come up with on I searched them. And, uh, yeah. Um, it's, um, what I'm going to be talking about tonight is wasting time, how we use our time, these, um, what we do for the Lord, and if we use our time wisely or not. It's um, a statistic that I uh, found says 99% of people have televisions in their houses, at least one. And then another one that I found is the average person will spend nine years watching TV. Nine years. Nine years of your life wasted over basketball or football or some dumb television that you'll never learn anything from. All right, now that that's out of the way. um, uh, Let's go to... uh, Let's go to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter number 27, verse number 1. It says, I'm going to wait for you guys to get there. It says, uh, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. This verse says, we are not promised tomorrow. We are not promised to wake up and do everything that we did before. Um, for for the saved believer, this, this, this verse basically means that what you do today matters. What you do for Christ today matters. And uh, because you might not have tomorrow to do it. And most people say, I'll do it tomorrow. I've heard that so many times. I even say it most of the time. I'll do it tomorrow. But the thing is, we don't do it. We end up not doing it or we forget about it. So the things the things that um, the Lord lays on our heart today, we need to do today, not tomorrow, not next week, not the week after that. The next verse that I'm going to go to is uh, 1 Thessalonians, First Thessalonians five two. It says. For thyself, know perf- for, know- before- for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief, of a night, as a thief in the night. His return could happen any day. What, what will you be caught doing when he comes back? Will you be caught on, on, on your butt watching TV while everyone else is out soul-winning or everyone else is at church? Uh, that, I don't know about you, but that would be pretty embarrassing if everyone else was at church and you were watching the football game, that'd be pretty embarrassing. Or watching TV instead of studying his word when you know you haven't done it for months. Um, we need to have a strong foundation in a relationship with God so we don't get caught doing those things. Because if you have a strong relationship and foundation, you won't you won't miss a day of church. You won't miss a day of your Bible reading. The next verse that I'm going to go to is Luke 8, Luke chapter 8, verse number 13. It says, They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. If if you have a strong foundation, you won't be caught in the devil's snares. You won't be... You won't be... Um, in one of those snares, when God comes back, you won 't be down or falling or being doing something you're not supposed to because you have a strong foundation because you build your life upon the rock, which is the Lord. will you ha- the reason why we cannot we have to do everything that we need to do today is because if we don't do it today, we won 't do it tomorrow, and if we don't do it tomorrow, then that leaves regrets. We will have regrets when we get to heaven. Putting off stuff ends up with regrets. When you put off not telling anybody about Christ, that's blood on your hands, and that's regret. This applies to the lost as well. The lost have no time. Their time is is as a vapor, which appeareth for a short time and then vanisheth away. That's what this life is. You have no time to waste. You need to, You need to get that settled today if you're not saved. And and if we're not doing what we need to do today then they're not going to get saved. Those lost people are going to go to hell and they're going to perish. So I'm going to I'm going to tell a story and then I'm done. It's a pretty long story. <laughs> All right. Well, if I if I start crying, I'm sorry. I was I was about 13 and I went to a Camp. And when I came back, my mom was in the parking lot crying. I thought she was just happy to see us. But she came up to me and she gave me a hug and she said, Nate, Andrew's dead. Andrew was my best friend. He was at a church camp and he was on a hayride and he fell off. And his whole body was crushed, dead instantly. He was only 14. He was one year older than me. One year older than me. He died just like that, no warning. No doctors telling him you have so many months to live. He died instantly, with no chance. Luckily, a couple hours before his death, he received Christ as a Savior. Do you think he knew that he was going to die? I don't think so. I bu- I bet that pastor got up there and he preached and he said and he said exactly what I'm saying. You have no time. What if you what if you go out and you die? He he didn't think that was going to happen. No one thinks that's going to happen. Everyone says, "Oh, that'll never happen to me. I got all the time in the world." He didn't he probably thought that too. Look what's happened. He died. And if he didn't accept Christ as a savior, he'd be in hell right now as we speak, at 14 years old, dead, no warning, like that, gone. He didn't even get to live his life. He had no chance. He didn't even get to go to high school. He didn't get to live. He didn't get to have a family. Most of us take that for granted. He died at 14. He, he didn't even live his life at all. And, and that's why it's so precious what we do with our time today. In, in how we spend it and what we do, it, it's just, it, we have no time. There's no time. That's the thing with time is there's none. It doesn't even exist. So think about that the next time you want to waste your time.
3: Turn to uh, Luke 16, verse 10. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. It says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. This, whenever I was reading it, it touched my heart because. A lot of times I'll hear Christians who, you know, they always ask for more. They, now, sometimes they're not even bad things. They just ask for more, though. And, um, like, tithes, they always ask for more. And they say, Lord, if you give me this much money, I'll give you this much back. But in all reality, if you're not faithful in what you are with what he gives you now with that little bit, You're not going to be faithful with this. And uh, you can see an example of this um, in the book of Matthew when uh, uh, the Lord had three servants. It says over in uh, Matthew 21, it says, uh, well, um, it says there were three servants. The one, was handed five talents. The second was handed three, and the last one was handed one. Mm -hmm. And it says that the first servant, he doubled those talents, and he began to have ten for his master. The second one, he doubled also. But if you notice the first one, he buried it in the ground. And the one with the five talents that had doubled... It says, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. It says that his Lord was pleased with him because he took care of it, and he didn't let it just go to waste. But also, if you notice, the one that was handed one talent, it says, thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I soweth not, and gathereth where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. It says that he was wicked and slothful. And real quick, I just want to describe a few things that we always ask more of. But what do we do with it now? One, understanding we always ask every day for understanding. And it's not bad to ask for understanding. Not at all. But the question is, what did you do with it yesterday? When he gave, gave it to you, did you do something with it? Or did you just keep it and hold it? In James 1.22 it says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. What did you do with it yesterday? <laughs> did you hear it? and forsake it or did you obey it secondly outreach opportunities and it's not bad to ask for those either but community baptist temple is told to reach akron what that map says over there that's what we're told to reach and a lot of times we ask or we want to go somewhere else like for example and you know it'd be cool to go somewhere else it's exciting because you don't know what it's like over there but um just a few, um, about a month ago, at the uh, walkathon, the teens had an opportunity to almost to uh, go to the um, Dominican Republic of Africa. And that's exciting. And all the teens were so hyped up about it. But you know what? Unfortunately, we didn't get to go. But I wonder, if we had that much excitement, and we were hyped up so much, to go to Akron every single Saturday, yeah. what would the fruit be?
0: Good.
3: And thirdly, wealth that goes with the tithe. We always ask for more. We say, uh, "Um, the verse Luke uh, chapter in Luke where it says, 'He that is faithful also, or He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much.'" And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. What are you doing with what he gives you now? When that time comes and the bills, they're that tight, do you miss out on your tithe? Because you didn't think, oh, you know, the, the, the Lord understands. I didn't have enough to pay for that. No, God tells us to give to him first, the first of it. And now, of those three points, I just got three questions with what you're doing with what he's given you. Are you alert or careless with what he's given you? And first you're asking, why should we be alert? And in 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Amen. We're told to be sober, to understand what's going on. Okay, And if we're just not caring what's going on, easily distracted... John 10.10 10 says, The thief cometh not, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. The devil's as a thief. He comes to kill or steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? And if we're not dealing with what he's given us now, he's going to steal that away from you. Because... You did nothing with it. So, are you aware with what he gives you? What do you do with it? Are you just... Like what the uh, slothful servant did. He just dug it and hid it underneath the ground. He did nothing with it. Secondly, are you bold or are you fearful with what he gives you? So, why should we be bold? Because... In Romans 8:31, it says, 8:31b, it says, If God be for us, who can be against us? We have God on our side, so we have no reason to be fearful. A lot of times Christians will be ashamed because, you know, of their belief. They don't want people to hurt them. But all they can do is hurt this flesh, this right here. They can't hurt your soul, they can only hurt what's on the outside. Um,. Whenever I went to um, a a youth rally about a month ago, too, Um, it was at the First Baptist Church at Kenmore, and uh, one of the speakers had talked about um, the story behind the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, and I didn't know it, and it's really, really good. I'm just going to go read it because I don't want to mess it up. It says, 200 years ago, a revival took place in Wales, England. Many missionaries chose to to go to North India what could only be described as savage. The tribes were famous for the headhunters that would take their enemies' heads and hang them on their walls, and, of course, Christians were not very welcome. These missionaries came, and they knew God called them, and they continued to share their faith and finally had reached out to one tribe family, and they accepted Jesus. And that family became contagious, leading others to Jesus, and then the scribe chief got word of what happened. He called a tribe meeting and captured the man, his wife, and two kids told him, Renounce Jesus, or we will kill your children. The man looked at his children and said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The archers drew back their arrows and killed his children in front of him. His sons lay before him dead, and the chief said, Renounce Christ, or I will kill your wife. The man looked at his sons and then his wife and remembered scriptures, and said to always profess Jesus as Lord. The man said, Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The archers killed his wife. With his wife and sons dead before him, the chief said to him, This time renounce Christ, or we, you will die. The man, realizing he had nothing le- left, looked up in heaven and said, the last line of the song, The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. The chief gave the order, and the archers killed the man. After killing the man and his family, the chief stood speechless and couldn't believe the man gave his family and himself for God and that this, Jesus must be real. On the very spot the reports say the chief accepted Jesus as Lord and through the weeks, the tribe accepted Jesus, the one man willing to give up everything he had. The man was so bold that he knew that God had called him there and he gave up his family. To be honest... I don't think I'm ever that bold. If that came up to me, I don't know what I would do. Now, I could say it right now, and I could say, I I give it up. But when the time came, what would I actually do? Most likely, I wouldn't have. (laughs) So, be bold. Because God had blessed him. The man didn't know what God was going to do. He had saved the whole tribe. He didn't know what was going to happen after that. And thirdly, are you thankful or ungrateful? Grateful with what He gives you. There's no reason why we shouldn't thank God. He's done everything for us. He created us. He gave us a home in heaven after sin, sinning against Him, and He gave us a shelter. Uh, just like the songs we're singing, just like the song was singing just a few minutes ago, I have been blessed, and how well have we been blessed? We're told to thank God. In First Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So, the opportunity to have. What do you, or, with the opportunity, what do you thank God for? What do you thank God for? So, what are you doing with what God's given you? Are you forsaking it, or are you obeying it? Right now... What he gives you now is called the test zone. It determines what he can give you. If you don't do anything with it, it's, it's nothing. But if you actually obey God and do what he wants, it's going to flourish. So what are you doing with God, what God gives you now?
4: like those messages guys uh go ahead and take your bibles and turn to john chapter 21 uh i'm going to start in verse number three but before i do i'm just going to give you a little background on what's going on right now see jesus has already died and he's risen again he's come back to the disciples twice now he showed himself twice to them and in john chapter 21 verse number three we find peter talking to the disciples he says he says simon peter saith unto them i go a fishing They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship and immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast now on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he did cast himself into the sea. What I want to focus on, real quick, is that, you know, Jesus has already died. He's been with the disciples, and he's died, and he's risen again, and he's given the disciples uh, a command, not really a commandment, the Great Commission. And yet, we find Peter and the disciples going fishing. Peter before he was before he knew Jesus, he was a fisherman. And I want you to notice that when they they toiled all night pretty much and they couldn't catch a thing. And the reason is because Peter was no longer a fisherman, but he was a fisher of men. He wasn't able to catch anything because he had no power in it anymore. That's not he, what he was. He was not a fisherman. He couldn't do anything until God showed up and gave him direction. And, you know, Peter, he goes on uh, later on when they find out that it was Jesus, and, you know, Jesus tells him to feed the sheep. And later on in Acts, Peter uh, preaches at Pentecost, and 3,000 get saved. But I believe that if it weren't for this time right here where Peter slid back, he wouldn't have been able to do that for a few reasons. The first reason is because he had to trust in God. See, Peter, he had to trust in God when uh, they told him, when Jesus told him to cast net over the right side. He had to trust in him and know that it would work. Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. Peter was a fisherman before he knew Jesus, like I've already said. He knew how to fish. He didn't trust in his own understanding. He trusted in what the man had said, what God had said. And that allowed him to do a great miracle because of it. And not only that, but they also had to have faith. They had to have faith that when they did this, that it would work. Matthew 17:20 says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto them, Unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. In this verse, it talks about their unbelief. Well, obviously, Peter had belief. He had faith in what was being said. So he was able to do those things, and he was able to go on and be a soul winner and be this great picture of he began the first church pretty much. And not only did he need to trust, and he needed faith, but here's my my biggest point. They needed revival. As I was studying this out, I realized that uh, in Luke chapter 5, verse number 4, you guys can just go ahead and turn there. I'm going to read a little bit from it. Luke chapter five verse number four says, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon, answering, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, thy word I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so it was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. This is when Peter first met Jesus. I don't think it's a coincidence that when, after Jesus had died, that They did the exact same thing to get Peter to. He renewed what Peter was as a Christian. He was revived again. He, when they did that, you know, you know how you felt when you first got saved. You were excited. You were hyped up. You wanted to go win a a soul to the Lord because you got saved. You wanted to share that with people. Well, in order for Peter to lead to uh, preach at Pentecost and you know bring three thousand to Christ, he had to be revived. We all need revived. We need to have revival in our hearts every time we go out soul winning, every time we sing a song for Jesus, every time we do anything for God. We have to have that revival in our hearts. We have to be willing to do whatever God asks and have that revival, that we can have that fire burning inside of us. (coughs) That fire is what drove Peter to be able to do all those good things. And the time is now to do God's work. Like Nate said, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring forth. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how long we'll be here. Romans thirteen twelve through 14 says, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The time is now to do what we need to for God. The night is far spent. We need to put on the armor of God and put on the light, the armor of light. That's what we need to do. We've heard the things that we're supposed to do. We've heard how we're supposed to do it. Now we just need to do it. We, we know what to do. Like Pastor was preaching this morning, you don't need to go through classes to win somebody to the Lord. You just need your testimony. And if you're saved, you all have that. We all have a testimony that we can give, that we can share. And we need to just keep in mind how we felt when we got saved and remember and try to get others to feel the same. James 1.22, Cody already said it, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. We need to be doers of the word. It does no good, you guys, sitting here listening to us three preach and then going home and doing nothing. It does no good for us three to learn these lessons and do nothing with it. We all need to do something with what God's given us. No more sitting on our hands. We need to do something with what God's given us. And if you're not saved, you need to get it settled because the time is now. We know not when God's going to come back. We need to get it settled now before it's too late. Thank you.
1: Recently, I did a lesson with the teenagers, and um, it was entitled Stupid Things That Teenagers Say. And um, it, it really could be changed and just re-preached, the stupid things that Christians say. And um, one, one of the things that I, I taught the teenagers um, was First John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The stupid thing was I don't have anything that really needs to be fixed. I've heard teenagers say it heard christians say it and what we just heard tonight it's amazing that these guys don't get together and collaborate on what their messages are going to be a message on time a message on stewardship and really the bottom line crust the message on revival i mean those three topics don't tie together any better than than that it's so important and um you know we can sit back and you know evaluation is so important self-evaluation is so important and we can sit back and say amen and you know, listen to these young men preach. But as he said, you, know, you have to do something with what's heard. And that's, that's, the, that's the defining moment in a message being preached, doing something with it. Taking what was preached and doing something with it. And um, a lot of times uh, we are just hearers of the word in, in some aspects of it. We take and we only hear what we want to hear. We take a word and say, well, that's not what it really means to me. We're hearers of the word how we want to hear it. But then we're not doers of what God is actually saying for us to do. And it's so sad. It's so sad that God says over and over and over again, pours out his word. Here's the message for you. Here's the message for you. Here's the message for you. And then we just turn it off or we tune it out. Time. How much of it is wasted? I'm guilty of it. We do waste a lot of time. We waste a lot of time, as he mentioned, in in television. We waste a lot of time in acting busy. We waste a lot of time in, in in fruitless activity. Stewardship. What have we been given? In the end, what do we have and what are we doing with it? There are things that we love and we enjoy and that we idolize in this life. But what are we doing with the talents, not just the, the, the talents as far as abilities that God has given us, but the talents? All aspects of our lives, our time, our treasure, our money. What are we doing with it? Are we so focused on um, the bigger car, or the, ni- the nicer car, or the bigger house? And, and that those things are you know not sinful in themselves, not in, by any means but when they begin to occupy the full breadth of our hands that we can't reach out and serve with them, then we've got a problem. That's the Christian's responsibility, to serve, to reach out. Revival, how important is it? We all need reviving at points in our lives. You look at David. He needed to be encouraged in the Lord. He needed to to renew that spirit. He constantly prayed, Lord, renew the spirit within me. Renew your spirit within me. And we all need a little touch of revival. We all need to uh, be a little bit more excited about our walks with God. A little bit more excited about serving the Lord. A little bit more excited about coming to church. We all need to be more excited about those things. We've heard tremendous challenge tonight. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand. And uh, it's time to act upon it. It's time to do something with it. And the Lord has spoken to us tonight. and, And I hope that it doesn't return void in your life because you've turned it off.